Hello, welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's September the 8th, 2023, and this is episode number two. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about the cars and concepts of IAA Mobility 2023, or as some call it, the International Motor Show of Germany, the debut of Lotus EMEA, and Kyle drives the Volkswagen ID7 and the updated ID4, and of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the supercharged Mr. Tom Malogny, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. And of course, we also have Kyle Connor, who joins us from the majestic, practically palatial hills, halls <laughs> of out of spec studios, maybe the hills, I don't know, where he produces uh, high voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. So actually, Kyle, I should say hills because you are in Switzerland this morning. So... Good morning, I guess you say, in at least the, the German part of Switzerland. Yeah, but this is like the Italian-speaking portion because I'm right on that Italian border. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I don't really speak any Italian. I don't yeah, really speak any either. German. Either. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. We were. It was so funny. Uh, you know, everyone in the big cities, of course, speaks English. But here, like, no, we've been going to these little restaurants and things. No one speaks English. And so it's a lot of hand signals and moot pointing, and it's been great. Right on. All right, so we have uh, lots of cars to talk about today. Um, lots, mostly with, with you, I guess, Kyle, because uh, you were in 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 Europe for the IAA, the German. The, it used to be the, the Frankfurt Motor Show, right? Remember that? Yeah. So, um, so our attention has been on Munich, Germany, all week uh, with the IAA taking place there. But yesterday, uh, an exciting new car was unveiled on our side of the Atlantic in New York City by a British automaker that's owned by the Chinese giant Geely, and that is the Lotus Emea. So looking very much like a sports sports sedan version of the Electre, um, Lotus calls it a Hyper GT. So I don't know if we can pull up a pull up a video here. Um, so it's the top spec of the Amea, it's it's very much like. Oops, let me silence that. Um, so the Amea is very much like the Electre. I believe it has like a really similar uh, powertrain, drivetrain, and it. it um, Actually, it kind of looks a lot like like a sedan version of, of the uh, Electra, which you drove. Uh, was that two weeks ago? Yeah, roughly two weeks ago, I drove their electric SUV, the Electra, as you say. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of our viewers are not familiar with Lotus and electrification. Uh, Lotus is now under the Geely umbrella, of course. So they're getting really the top spec uh, stuff from Geely because Lotus, of course, is a premium brand. But now it's going into this entirely new direction where the cars are, yes, fast, but also quite content rich, quite heavy and all of those things. So, yeah, Dom, as you said, I drove the uh, electric SUV from them. It's called the Electra. Uh, there's three different trim levels up to 900 and something horsepower. Really fascinating car. And now we have basically the sedan version of that. Right. So yeah, 905 horsepower, 727 pound-feet of torque, S same as the Electria R, the, like the spicy version. Um, so I imagine there's going to be some some uh, lower, ver you know, some tamer versions of this as well, but they're, they're starting off with the top specs, of course. And it's got the two-speed transmission like the uh, Electria does as well. Zero to 60, as they say, is or 62, because they do the zero to 100 kilometers an hour. So 2.78 seconds, top speed of 159 miles an hour. Uh, so the battery is said to be like, this is kind of interesting too. The battery is said to be like 102 kilowatt hours. So the Electra supposedly has like 112 
kilowatt hours. And so I wonder if like they give us uh, like the, the gross for gross one? and usable. Yeah. Yeah. They give us like the gross for the first one. And now they're giving us like the usable for the second one, I guess. Well, I- we really talked to them as well and said, like, if you're going to display a number, make sure it's the usable number that you're oh. communicating. I don't know if that had any effect on it, but I was talking to the guys who write all the stuff. Right. And I'm like, you know, usable, so much more important than the gross capacity. Right. It's what we all, you know, look at. That's the energy that we can actually use when, we, when at least when it's brand new. So uh, it's like an 800 volt system and it charges uh, from 10 to 80% in 18 minutes. So like a super fast charger. Um, it's got an electric lot, electronically controlled air system suspension, air suspension system. Uh, so it has onboard sensors and it so it can judge, it can feel the road like a, a thousand times a second, which is kind of crazy and adjust, you know, accordingly to make the ride like nice and smooth. And it's coming to the market next year. 2024. So this is like not a, like a far off concept or anything is like on the cusp of being made practically. And uh, so we'll hear more, more about the market availability and pricing as a, at, on a future date. But uh, if you want to see it and you happen to be in New York City, you can go Saturday. Um, you can just uh, Google Studio EMEA. That's E-M-E-Y-A. And then you can find the link to Eventbrite and get some free tickets. And I believe it's somewhere in Manhattan. I'm not exactly sure where, but yeah. So that's that's what I have at the, uh, what do you, what do you, Tom, what do you think of this thing? I don't, let me see if I can play up some pictures. Yeah, so I mean, overall I love, I really like how it looks. The only thing I'll comment on is I'll say, I wish that they paid more homage to the Lotus brand. If I were to just see this, uh, I would say, oh, that's probably, you know, a hypercar from a Chinese car company. You know, which basically when it comes down to it is now, but like, I just wish it had more styling cues to, you know, remind me that this is a Lotus and not just some say new brand that started that that's just my take on, it. I think it looks great. Um, uh, this numbers seem really nice. Uh, you know, it seems like they have good stats, but, um, I don't, I, 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 you know, I wish it had a little bit more Lotus in it, in my opinion. All right. So what do you, how do you think this is going to uh, drive Kyle? I mean, you really like the electric, right? Is this sway you in uh, at all? Uh, you know, it all comes down to the driving experience because the numbers on paper for the price that you're paying, no one can compete with what Tesla's done for the plaid pricing. Of course, that car sure. is basically 90 grand and it's zero to 60 in two seconds and has a thousand and twenty horsepower and doesn't need a two-speed transmission like this one does. However, this does win on the charging performance, 355 kilowatt charging or so, and it just holds amazing power deep into the battery pack. Again, 10 to 80 in 18 minutes on a hundred and something kilowatt hour battery pack is the new market leader for charging. There's nothing that can come close unless you're talking semi-truck charging. I mean, it's really next level. So we have to try all of this. Um, you know, I think it might, this might be the ultimate cannonball car. Actually, uh, we really fell in love with the Electro because we love the interior materials, the software, the way the car felt. It was quite exotic. It was cool, but it's also very expensive. And so you're not paying for the performance figures. You're paying for how the car looks and feels and handles and all of the intangibles that can't be shown on a spreadsheet because, um, yeah, personally, I think the Electra is, is, probably better for our needs in a car. I think just having an SUV living in Colorado, you know, needing to get through snowy and dirt roads, that's more appealing to me. I'm also not so much of a sedan guy, but 
I mean, props to them for making this. It's going to do really well. You're not a sedan guy. Oh, I guess you, you're not a sedan guy, like a wagon guy then? Yeah, totally a wagon person. Absolutely. And I just have a video that went up 30 minutes ago on a car, a brand new release that we should talk about for sure. Yeah, actually, let's let's just take a moment and talk about that right now. I mean, why not? I have it farther down in the running order, but whatever. It's uh, I, I caught the first like 10 minutes of it this morning <laughs> really quick. Yeah, sure. Because I, I was excited about seeing that one coming up. Um, yeah. So you, yeah, yeah. Tell us what you drove. Yep. So it's the Neo ET5 Touring. So for those who don't know, Neo is a Chinese automaker that has been building EVs for seemingly five years now. Tom, what do you think? It seems like it ha- they're not the oldest brand, but they're certainly one of the early big Chinese ones. Yeah, they're probably the the first, uh, like the biggest first all electric brand to come out of China. You know, the first one to announce they were going to be all electric and, uh, you know, th- they had a tremendous amount of, of financing at the time and um they need it with their with their uh, battery swap plan that's incredibly you know capital intense so um and, and i've driven them not this latest version uh but i've 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 driven uh, neos in the past over in china and uh, uh it's a premium brand that's one thing that i think a lot of people don't get the the vehicles are these are upscale vehicles. They they're, seem to be built very well, put together very well, and uh, they're they're not competing, say, directly with a um, Xpeng, for instance, which is like a more affordable down market vehicle. Um, the Neos Neos are are quality, you know, premium vehicles. Yep, hundred percent. And I think just like really improving with each model that I drive. I've now driven most of the model lineup. And uh, had the ET5 sedan actually before I took the wagon. We had to give it back because of scheduling, but we are getting it again next week. It's been a bit complicated with all the test cars and everything we have to film this trip. But we borrowed this one. This is part of the first launch of ET5 touring. So we were among the first media to drive it in Europe. They had already had a Chinese program earlier. And it's essentially their Model 3 sized vehicle turned into a wagon. It might be slightly larger than Model 3. I don't know dimensionally ET5 versus Model 3, but they also have an ET7, which is like a Model S competitor. So this is, you know, think Model 3, 3 series size, somewhere between 3 and a 5 series. They then took that same base platform, made it into a stunning wagon, and in conjunction with this launch, we're finding out, have completely overhauled the performance of the car. Neo gave us the keys and basically said, oh, yeah, it's unchanged from the sedan you've been driving. But I noticed almost twice, if not more than twice, the amount of regen. And a problem with Neo has always been the charging performance because they do battery swap in China. Um, they've, and I think the old Chinese GB port had some limitations as well, but they never uh, charged more than 130 kilowatt peak. Now, incredibly, I plugged it in at 50% just because I was like, oh, let's just see what happens. I wish I ran it all the way out now, but I plugged in at 50% and it shot up to 180 something kilowatts and held that all the way to 75% before it just slowly came off. So it went from one of the worst charging EVs to one of the best charging EVs with just this flat curve at 180 kilowatts from at least 50 to 80% or so. That is a massive improvement. And for them not to communicate that to people was like wild. So I texted the PR person for Neo in China, who I know, and I was like, so so what the heck is this all about? 
And she was like, oh, well, we were not really ready to tell anyone about it yet, but like, okay, you showed the world. And like, why wouldn't you want to launch that with the car? Like, you know, you're pushing the uh -huh. batteries. I'm right. not sure. I think it's got to be for all Neos because I had just the standard 100 kilowatt hour battery pack in this car that can swap between any of them. So right. this is great news because there's not battery swap stations everywhere, especially in Europe. So the cars still need to charge well. It's quiet. It's comfortable. It has amazing software. It's got dog mode, camp mode, good driver assistance, really nice build quality and materials. Sound system is meh, but everything else is pretty great. Um, you know, 200 kilometers an hour top speed doesn't matter for any market except for Germany, which is fine. It's very stable at high speed. Car handles very nice. And it's half the price of a relatively base Taycan, which is just great. So you think half the price. So you said the price is, I think it's like fifty thousand, but then the battery for the small battery is next to twelve thousand. How much is the big battery? Uh, they actually don't dis, uh, change the pricing because I showed the configurator on uh, the video as well, and the okay. pricing doesn't update in real time. So it was oh. hard to know exactly all of the numbers. I think it's okay. still a few months away from market launch, but it seems like base car is going to be forty nine grand. Well, I think that's all the car you need, honestly. The 100 kilowatt hour battery pack will definitely cost you more, but I, I really don't recommend buying the battery. I need to look a little bit more into the battery right. as a service system, but you're not able to use the swap systems if you buy the battery. They won't right. let you swap. So you so, have to lease it or rent it every month uh, if you want to swap. And then what happens when you sell the car or you sell it to a dealer? I don't actually know how that process works. I need to research it a bit more but I think it would get really messy in our market. Right. Uh, yeah. Battery swapping hasn't really taken foot here at all, but there was a, there's that company ample, I believe who's doing some in San Francisco working at it for fleets and some, some cars, but yeah, it's still not, not like in Europe or in China where Neo is really taking the lead on that. Um, so, and sorry uh, to interrupt my friend Jan, who I did a whole bunch of Neos with, who lives in Norway, who's mm -hmm. very involved with electric cars there. Uh, he also recommends to rent the battery, lease the battery from Neo. Do not buy it. It doesn't make sense to buy it from Neo, in my impression. Okay. Uh, they didn't say how much the subscription was, the, the monthly. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's uh, 169 euros a month. Okay. And then when you swap it out, you get charged for whatever energy in, or that in the operation probably as well? No, I don't think so. It's it's just a it just swaps free it. unlimited swaps. Oh, okay. I mean, that's that's a consideration then. Um, so Neo is also famously known for having the little uh, AI uh, Nomi guide. Did you, did you use that at all? Is it working for English yet? Oh yeah, works works for English pretty much perfectly. Um, but uh, she's just annoying. I just I personally hate voice assistants. Like it's just yeah. a, I've never found one that works for me and isn't annoying and doesn't cut in from time to time. And it freaks Alyssa out because it has these fake eyes that look at you and it spins around and it's like, right. you're supposed to have a conversation and I don't know. So we just put her off basically. Okay. You and, can do that. Oh yeah. You just turn that off. And that's how we drive Neos. Yes. And it's cool okay. because it can tell from what direction the voice is coming in, who's speaking to it. So it spins and looks at you. You know, if, if, and if two people are talking, it looks, it goes back and forth. It's really, I, I think it's kind of cute. Um, but yeah, there it is on the dash. If you're watching on YouTube or one of the video streams for our visual listeners, it's just like a, a little baseball sized pod with a screen in it. And it 
basically has eyes and does these little hand motions and gestures. But yeah, yeah. we we don't use that too much. What I was more fascinated with were you know the the integration of the software is awesome. The route planning is now great. Uh, everything is just getting dialed in, and it's like okay, they're getting this thing ready to really rock it in Europe. And I haven't gone through the comments on my YouTube video yet. Again, it just went up only, you know, 30, 40 minutes ago, something like that. But uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of people in the U.S. that will say, bring it here. I want it. And a lot of other people in the U.S. who will say, I will never buy a Chinese car. Um, And there's still a lot of anti-Chinese, you know, building in the U.S. And therefore, I think it might stifle some of the, um, you know, the Chinese automakers coming into the U.S., what do you yeah, think? Well, well, first of all, with the tariffs, Kyle, it's nearly impossible to really build a brand here at, at the moment with the way the tariffs are. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say we, we should pull them down because it's it's nearly impossible for U.S. to import vehicles into U.S. automakers to import vehicles into China. So, you yeah. know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So I, I just wish there was a way we could work this out to have fair trade. But China doesn't seem to be interested in fair trade. The Chinese government, at least the companies would would love it, but Chinese government isn't interested in fair trade. And as long as that's concerned, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about this on the show before. And I think without Kyle, you know, uh, I'm going to almost speak for Kyle here. The Chinese vehicles are getting very good, scary good. And, And they're getting better at a pace that is, say, faster than the pace that Japanese cars got good from the early seventies into the eighties. And it it took them, you know, a full decade before people trusted them and believed in them. And and before they got good, because they were little, I mean, they were toys and it was funny. The name was Toyota. It was like a toy. And that's what everybody viewed it as in the, in the early seventies. You guys don't remember that, but I remember. Um, And I remember my dad saying, Oh, that's a a tin can toy, you know, driving down the road. I'd never go in that as he's barreling down the road in his 72 Oldsmobile Delta 88. That was, you know, uh, you know, 28, 22 feet long, you know, and you got this little smart car next to him. He's like, that thing's a death trap. But anyway, we see what happened to Toyota. They built their brand into the, the, you know, the strongest automaker in the world in, in 20 years. So we're going to see that with these Chinese car companies. Their, their 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 tech and their improvement on the vehicles is re- accelerating so quickly, guys. By the end of this decade, by the end of the 2020s, w- the, the best cars in the world may very well be coming out of China. And it, that's scary. And uh, it will decimate European and, and North American automakers because they can do it for cheaper. And uh, that's a, it's a huge problem. I don't know how we really deal with this, to be honest with you. I, I you know build more walls and not, not allow vehicles in. I, I, you know, I wish there was a way we could have more fair competition. I think they can build them cheaper for now, but you know, in the future, I mean, they have to pay their workers as well and they have to pay them more and more as, you know, as the, uh, you know, just live the way, uh, you know, lifestyles sort of, and, and they are more expensive. The last time I was in China, from what I was told, whether it's true or not, in like say the uh, Shanghai proper, the areas in, in, in the big cities where the advanced, where let's say the engineers are working on, on, on vehicles and, and even in some of the factories, supposedly the wages are the same as the wages for automakers here. It's where okay. you get way out into the country and some of the more rural areas. That's when you see that wage dive down, but in the developed cities where they're working on high tech products, the wages are similar. Now, they, they don't have that 
the albatross of the benefits packages and the retirement accounts and all that stuff that the insure the medical insurance coverage that like doubles the cost of salaries here in the U.S. Um, but you know, it's just it's it's a difficult it's a difficult proposition. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. I don't see I don't see how we get to the into the next decade without having China every year assuming a greater and greater percentage of the overall production of vehicles in the worldwide production of vehicles. And, you know, that's, it's a scary thought because it's such a huge, important industry. Look, take Germany, for instance, besides the U S how important is it for the country of Germany to, to have the auto manufacturing industry, the way it is now with the, you know, the big three, you know, how many jobs, you know, how much money that injects into the economy. You know, if, if they start losing, Two, three, four, five percent of that every year. There's going to be problems with the German economy. Well, they have to compete, and that's what like, we did in the '80s with the, with the Japanese. You know, the American automakers, you know, got, got their stuff together a bit more, and you know, put out but, but a much more improved product and much more uh, fuel efficient product. Because that was one of the big issues, right, with the cost of fuel and everything. Um, and well, we, so have they, to, we have to we have to control our our the battery supply too. It's not just sure. a matter of improving oh, yeah. quality, right? And, and the refining of the materials. Right. I know we're, we're a long way from being self sufficient on right. being able to 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 get get the raw materials and then refine it to to be able to be used in batteries. We have to start now. That's Europe true. has to, U.S. Mm-hmm. has to. You know, we we you can't wait till you know any longer. It's already too late. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, well, well, that's happening now with the whole. Uh, uh, infrastructure, not infrastructure act, but the recent, you know, they, the government's pumping a lot of money into uh, electric vehicles, and also the incentive packages are incentivizing mining and uh, processing of other things for for batteries. So I don't, I, I think we're going to be okay. I think the, you know, the Chinese will, you know, definitely make a have a, a larger presence in the, in the future. But I think we can compete and come back. Um, it's just going to take, you know, it's just, I don't know. It worked out okay in the 80s, 90s. And I, th- I think we can compete uh, as well going ahead with it, with the Chinese as well. I and, hope so. You and know, hopefully, but- you know, take some of their innovation and incorporate into our cars like we did with the with Japanese innovation as well. You know, I don't I don't, I don't I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom about it, but anyway, I think we should probably move back to Germany. I got you. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, this is great. Uh, I like this discussion actually. Um, but we got a lot of German cars and stuff to talk about here. Uh, so the IAA is in Munich, and it's really the home show for the German brands. So let's uh, let's talk about Volkswagen and the GTI concept. Now, concepts concepts aren't uh, super popular with uh, some people, but uh, Kyle. You got to spend some time with this, and you actually put together a great video uh, detailing the exterior and some, some showing some shots of the interior that were shared with you. And you seem super excited about it. So why are you fired up about a car that's only going to see production maybe in 2027, I think? Well, I'm, okay, so maybe I should explain. I don't like concepts that will never happen. Right. This oh. is pretty much series production approved from a design language standpoint. So Volkswagen's like, we're we're making it, so that's cool. When a big, giant automaker that builds cars says we're making it, they're going to make it. They spent a lot of money on, of course, promoting this car, and that you should right. see the stand that they had at IAA. I still think, yeah, it's probably a bit too early to cover it, but I was there, the car was there, and I'm like, all right, well, let me at least film it. 
And, uh, you know, cause there's not going to be anything really to talk about for the next few years until we're able to drive it. So I'm like, since I'm here, since we're filming, let's get it on the channel. And, uh, yeah, I mean, of course I complained. Yeah, it's a concept. I wish it was coming earlier. Why talk about it so much in advance, but, uh, from a design standpoint, if this is Volkswagen's new direction, which it is, uh, they are doing some great things. Now, I cared more about the mechanical uh, components more than the design, of course, although I think this looks incredible. But interestingly, this will be built on the MEB. They're sort of a shrunken version of MEB, a basic front wheel drive platform. It'll have much new snappier software like we're seeing in ID7 and ID4. It will have a limited slip or locking front differential. Um you know, well, high 200 horsepower range, maybe even touching 300 horsepower is what it sounds like. And something this small seems great, not worth spending too much time on it again, because we're years away, but at least we know where Volkswagen's wanting to take this. We know that they are putting a GTI badge on an electric car, which is uh, first time ever. So yeah, all, all good uh, with me. Just, just wish it wasn't so far away. Right. So, uh, did they drop any hints about this coming to the U.S.? Because this is so. This is based on the ID. Two, and we don't even get the ID. Three here because it's a small, you know, hatch, and they don't really sell super well in the U.S. But um, this was on the the uh, U.S. media site for Volkswagen. So I don't know. Is, what do you think, Tom? I didn't realize it was on the U.S. media site. Yeah, well, did, did, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sometimes is. like okay, that and, doesn't necessarily mean it'll come yeah. here, but. Well, I don't know. I, th that's could be a hint. I mean, I love the GTIs. I've always loved GTIs. So I would, I would love to have something here. Uh, I would love to have this brought here, but uh, you know, it just seems like these type of vehicles just don't sell well here. You got a hardcore group of uh, a small group of people that love them, but right. I mean, there's a reason why the manufacturers stop importing these small hatchbacks. They just don't sell. I love it. I love a hot hatch. Um, I've said that on the show many times. You know, I was a big CRX fan. Um, that was like the hot hatch, the CRX SI back in the when GTI used to go up against GTIs all the time. Uh, this is something I would love as a daily driver. But and I, maybe I, I can add some more color to that because I I spoke to the whole Volkswagen USA team about it, including the CEO of Volkswagen USA. Um, Pablo DC and asked him, you know, like what's what needs to happen for this to come here? He basically right. said uh, they're already in talks with the homologation teams, with the design teams so that uh, this car can come to America. I think the idea is they wanted to gauge a little bit of interest. And basically, you know, they were like, we're looking at the comments on your YouTube video. We're reading the comments on the other uh, articles, looking at how many people are excited roughly gauging interest on in all these things. And it sounds like the um, at least response when I spoke to them, because I spoke to them a couple of days after this video went up, um, was like, OK, we I think they're going to try really hard to get it in America. It's not a guarantee, but I wouldn't be surprised if it makes it to our market. Right. That was kind of the impression I, I had, too. It sounds like they, like they want to really want to bring it to the US, but they really need an audience for it. You know, and but GTI has a lot of cachet, just that you know that sub that trim level, that performance trim. Um, I don't. So if they brought this, would they have to bring the ID two? Do you think? No, I, I don't think the ID two will come. I think just like they did with Golf, we only get the GTI and the R. My impression oh. is we'd only get the GTI of this. Okay, well that kind of makes sense, I guess. Right on. Okay. Okay, well, let's leave GTI. But that's a great video. So if you have, if you're more inter interested in uh, 
in that car, check out Kyle's video because he does a great, you know, great walk around. He's got shots of the inside to show as well. And it looks pretty decent. Um, so sp- sticking with Volkswagen, they also announced a major upgrade for the ID4 82 kilowatt hour models, which is kind of interesting. They're sticking just with the 82 kilowatt hour models and, and not doing this to the uh, the smaller battery pack, at least in the US. But they announced a major upgrade for those. And now they have, they've upgraded the uh, motors. So now they have uh, 282 horsepower in the rear wheel drive and 330 horsepower in all wheel drive. Is that the AP 50 or 550, uh, Kyle, the motor? Yep, it is. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So the, it was AP 550s. This is like a, a big, kind of a big deal with uh, Volkswagen now. They've, they've put in a number of vehicles and we'll talk about another one here in a second that you drove, but you also drove the ID4. So I, I've put the footage of that video up here on the screen while we talk about it just a little bit. Um, so this has, it's not just the motors, though. they've also improved uh, the interior somewhat. It's got a 12.9-inch infotainment display and a new shifter position and a revised steering wheel layout, ventilated front row seats. Uh, the S Plus model receives a uh, premium Harman, Harman, Harman Kardon uh, audio system, nine speakers, subwoofer, 16-channel amplifier. Um, so pricing is going to be only... Uh, closer to the on-sale date in early 2024. So this is not too far away either, this this uh, updated ID4. So you got to drive this and make the video. Kyle, what'd you think? Yeah, uh, you know, ID4, time, time for some upgrades. Everyone agrees software is not the best. It's certainly better than when the car launched, but it needed something legit. That's the big story here is not just a new screen, but an entirely new software stack with new processors that responds as fast as you can hit the screen. I mean, they definitely took the criticism of slow, annoying software to heart and like almost made this snappier than than anything I've experienced. It's like as fast as you can touch the screen, boom, you're at the next thing. Route planning happened instantly. It's all in the video. Now, is that going to perform the same on day 400 as it does on day five? I don't know uh, if it's going to get clogged up, but uh, it seems like a great idea. Glad that they did that. The new motor is really great as well. And, um, you know, a lot punchier, a lot more efficient, no downsides there, better thermal management, uh, you know, so you can pretty much do anything you want to that. It's called the APP 550, and that's going to go in pretty much every MEB product as the primary motor. The secondary motor is still the Magna induction motor in the all-wheel drive trim, and that only gets a slight increase in power up to about 330 horsepower, and I'm fairly certain it's just battery limited at that point. It just can't output all the the power there. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a nice upgrade. Uh, we'll start in February, uh, deliveries in the U S is my understanding, uh, and December production, Oct- uh, November, de- December production, something like that. And yeah, no one's going to complain about it. It's very nice. And if you're thinking about buying an ID four, well, maybe you can get a good deal on an existing one and software doesn't matter to you, but if you really want a great software experience, wait for this one. And Kyle, yeah. I, I think Kyle nailed it, Tom. You asked him more about the motor, but the big improvement on the ID4 is the software. Uh, you yeah. know, the, okay. the 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 ID4 was fine as it was power wise. If you ask me, it it was not a a a barn burner, but it's not meant to be. This is a people mover. If somebody wanted like a a, a crossover type uh, vehicle like this, all electric, and they wanted more sport, I think they're going to choose Mach E or Kia EV6, something like that. 
the the ID four was not designed to be the sport version of the small electric crossovers. It's a people mover. It's to pile the kids in there. It has a ton of space on the inside. Load load things up. Yeah, it's good to have a little extra punch. I'm not saying uh, I'm not glad they they gave it more, but uh, to me that's secondary here. That they needed to improve the software. That was the Achilles heel on the ID four. Was the software was terrible. And if, if yeah, I haven't had a chance to experience like Kyle has, um, and I trust him with his assessments, if, if it's improved as much as he says it is, then Volkswagen vastly improved the ID4. Okay, they gave it a few more horsepower. I don't think most people are going to really care about that. They're going to care about not having to press that damn screen and wait three seconds for it to load something, you know? So um, th- th- that's the big key. And I'm glad that they were able to, make such an improvement. I'm, I'm surprised Kyle is, is, is he's gl- glowing response uh, reviews every time he tries the new, uh, the, the new software on Volkswagen. So um, that's good to hear. Yeah. We're, we're watching the video on screen now on YouTube and uh, it looks really snappy that screen. That was the, that was the big issue then, I guess. Right. Yeah, it was that. It was also just like some functionality just was like buggy and it didn't always work. And, you know, they, they, these cars just had a lot of bugs, uh, a lot of weird little things. Like even Michaela's car, Alyssa's sister, has an ID4 all-wheel drive. It's just got an airbag light on. Dealer can't fix it. So, you know, they're not perfect. Yeah. And so little things like that. We see it from every automaker. Uh, but I think we saw it a little bit more from Volkswagen than others, to be honest. Um, sure. Also, you know, I you know, really had a great time, you know, Volkswagen was great. They laid out all the cars. I was able to bam, 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 film all the ones I needed to at this one thing in Munich. It was fantastic from a time to filming thing. And I also got some time, you know, about an hour to sit down with the CEO of Volkswagen North America or USA, Pablo. And I really, you know, spoke to him a lot about North American charging standard and how um, dreadfully unreliable public charging is at the moment and Mm -hmm. how we have seen almost no improvement, actually almost the opposite. And, you know, he's giving me data that Electrify America is telling him that, uh, you know, the chargers are improving. The new ones are great. Guess what? All the new ones in Colorado by my house derate to 40 kilowatts. There's only one that doesn't. And so I'm like, dude, you might have successful sessions, but are they derated? Like, is the data that you're getting from Electrify America good? Because you need to make a decision here that serves your customer base, not your company. And I was like, look, you're at a huge disadvantage if you don't sell this car with a North American charging standard port. You can still use the public networks that way, but then you gain access so people can actually get around hassle-free. It's like, you just have to do it. And, you know, they didn't confirm anything or, but they realized there's a problem. And, um, you know, I, I was like, look, you gotta do this. That, that was all I really said to him. He was like, okay, well, but why don't you talk to Electrify America? I'm like, no, nah, trust me. <laughs> I don't even want to talk to them. Like, it's not even worth it. I, what what matters is when you roll up to a station, does it work? And do you get derated sessions? Right. And, you know, that's that's where we're at. And, right. and just to be clear, Electrify America doesn't want to talk to you either, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very true. They do not. <laughs> but yeah, and I agree. Volkswagen will cha- will switch over to Nax. They're going to they do it to. kicking and to. screaming. They may be the last ones to do it. Right. You know, you know, there's a board of directors. There's a board somewhere sitting on some high throne over in Germany saying, no, no, nine, nine. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, but, the, the but, German guys, the German guys were into it. I was talking to them about it. Okay. Like the 
real high ups here. I mean, I was with, you know, CEO of all Volkswagen Group, Oliver yeah. Bloomer, and then, you know, uh, Schaefer, who's Volkswagen Global Head, talking about this. They're like, yeah, well, you know, if it makes sense to the consumer, may-. no one said no. Yeah. Well, it right. can't be the U.S. team saying, no, we don't want to switch, Kyle. I mean, the reason why it hasn't, this hasn't happened yet, it can't be the people in the U.S. I mean, unless they just have incompetence, you know, rotting through the company, which I, I don't believe that. Well, um, my impression you know, is they receive the data from EA and they don't verify. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I sent them an official request for comment on, do you verify the data that you're getting from EA? Right. We'll yeah. see what they say. Well, and, and what's the data? Like you said, uh, are, is AA derating the stations so that they have less um, uh, interrupted sessions and they can have a higher percentage of successful sessions? Just, you know, uh, I, I'm just saying that you can, you know, Kyle, you can massage data a million ways to come out mm. with the results that you want. You know, you can cherry pick exactly what is improving. And I'm not saying uh, Electrify America is doing this. I have no knowledge of of what they're reporting on. We just know because we're out there. And to me, it 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 seems clear that th- the network's getting worse than it was two years ago. You know, there's there's less successful charging sessions to me from what I'm seeing, what I'm witnessing, what I'm hearing, and. And that I don't even know the root cause of that, if it's the hardware or if it's just that there's so many more vehicles charging now, there's a greater chance that they're going to have problems. And if the stations get used time after time after time, are they more likely to then have a, a, a broken session or a broken station? Because the utilization is through the roof now compared to two or three years ago. So I don't know what the root cause is, but I do know. I experience and my followers seem to experience more problems now than what they did a couple of years ago. Yeah, I would agree with the general overall statement that my impression based off of our rate your charge check-ins that I'm seeing is just a dreadful experience this summer. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what is causing it to happen. It doesn't matter what they say they're going to do for fixing it that they've said for the last four years. And it's not just that one network provider, it's others as well. It's just you know, now is the time it's like, okay, if you want to sell an electric car, it's got to have a NAX port. You have to use superchargers or we can't recommend it. We're just there. And the proof in the pudding is these automakers switching over. I I don't know if our audience understands how big of a deal this is for the automakers. It wasn't just a matter of just just ordering NAX ports and putting them in the car. There's a tremendous amount of engineering and time and money and effort going into redesigning, even just redesigning the, 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 the size of the charge port. None of these companies wanted to do this. If they wanted to do it, they would have done it a few years ago. They could have negotiated a deal with Tesla back then. It's it's an enormous cost and enormous hassle for their engineers to take on. They did it because they decided they had to do it because the, the the charging experience was so bad. Their customers were reporting it. They're like Ford, for instance, charging angels were out there, you know, do, do, going around testing all the stations. That everything came back to the company saying. Your customers are experiencing terrible public charging experiences. You have to figure out a way of improving this. And the easiest, quickest way to try to improve it was to say, okay, there seems to be a standard out there that works better. Let's let's incorporate it. You're bringing up some data about utilities derating. No, they can right. choose to pay a demand charge. They right. have a transformer. They're entitled to the electricity. Uh, and so that's not the reason they're derating. They're mostly, from what I'm finding, derating due to power module failure. 
software issues and cable cooling issues where they lose temperature data uh, sending and they derate to you know 100 amps or whatever it is. And so there's there's a probably 10 common failure modes that put them into a derated session that to be honest, a lot of them used to just brick the entire charging session. And now it is going to a derated session. So that better than a failed session, but then do you really want to be sitting there charging at 37 kilowatts? Not me. And, you know, using the supercharger network here in Europe, driving a Volkswagen ID three, because I can use, you know, over 70% of the superchargers in Europe are open to the, the uh, public it's been amazing it's so great you can drive any car whatever you want and you know you're going to get a great charging experience it's just you know the way it has to be yeah i think well once once uh, everyone can start using tesla chargers oh, and honda is on the nacs the uh, tesla standard now they made their they made an announcement yesterday the day before so honda's not a holdout any longer um i'm not sure who that leaves I can't remember. I can't remember what the list is now. What the score is on on who's adopted NACS? But the thing is, they all have to do it because the charging is so much. It's just, it's just so the much better. One, right? The big one will be when the first Volkswagen Group automaker switches, and yeah. I think it'll be Porsche. Okay. I mean, they've already it's talked the about. They all, they've already said they're talking about. They're trying to do it, though, right? I believe yeah, they the really want to do it. Right. They're yeah. pushing internally in the group harder than any other brand. So I believe we'll that because my talks with Porsche in the past was a lot about charging. And I think they picked my brain more than, say, the other journalists when we went on press drives or whatever, because it's my wheelhouse. I'm sure they talked to Kyle about it, too. And um, whenever I did like Porsche drives, the you, you, when you do these drives, there's time to talk to engineers and there's dinners where you, you talk to the representatives from the companies. And it was always about my charging experience and how do we improve the charging experience. I think Porsche really understood how paramount it is for their customers' charging experience to be well. Because if if they weren't going to have a good charging experience, they weren't going to enjoy their Porsche. And um, uh, I, I, more so than the other companies. And uh, so I, I totally agree with Kyle on that one. I hadn't really thought about that before, um, but the Porsche absolutely seemed more dialed in being concerned about charging than the other companies did. So I agree with, with, with Kyle there. And um, I, do, I don't have any information about them uh, pushing harder than the other Volkswagen brands. Kyle might, might, might have more about that than I do, but I would believe that he, that because of the fact that they understand that you can't enjoy your EV if you can't charge it easily. That's right. Um, so let's move on just a little bit. Um, Oh, oh, somebody asked earlier in the conversation if the uh, ID, the new ID4 is going to be made in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And yes, it is. It's going to be made there with the new improved motors and screens. So, Kyle, you also got to uh, drive the ID7 sedan. So that uh, debuted in April and it just began production last month. Um, we don't, I don't know if you have any good like driving footage. And this, this is mostly you behind the wheel. But uh, what were your thoughts about this? It's like a Model S size vehicle, right? Yeah. Oh, huge back seat, quiet, comfortable, almost boring, but in a good way. Electric sedan to cover distance, uh, very efficient. Seemingly, they really tuned this car for highway efficiency, which was a cool takeaway. They really targeted eighty miles an hour as like we want this car to just do eighty, rip the charging sessions and go. And I was like, well, that works great. And uh, you know, this is going to be a, a 
I don't know if it ever works out this way, but I feel like this is what most of the Volkswagen executive team is going to be driving. So I feel like, you know, the, the car is really built to do the like long distance, has to work really well, comfortable, quiet, super comfy suspension, adaptive chassis control, great head up display as well. Great driver assistance. Nothing really here uh, to complain about. I was very impressed with the package overall. I mean, it's great. Um, you know, certainly uh, I think in the U.S. it's going to be a tough sell. We're not a huge sedan market. It is a lift back, but there will also be a wagon version that I'm really looking forward to sharing. And so, yeah, the desk was, you know, massaging seats with a whole bunch, like way better than ID4 massaging seats, lots of options. It has a seat drying mode. And um, yeah, Abe in the comments is a friend of mine, hardcore ID7 lover. And uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I just think he will he will love this thing because honestly, they could in certain areas put an Audi badge on this car and totally get away with it. I mean, it's really good. But Audi has something like this too, don't they? Like the A6 or? Yeah, but that's going to be like every, you know, it's certainly nicer, maybe materials inside and and different driving and motors and stuff. This though is like a way nicer road tripper than any Volkswagen I had driven. And I'd driven their like Arteon, which is, you know, great to cover distance and things like that. This, this is a step above. So this was a rear wheel drive with the AP 550 motor? Yep, everything gets the APP 550. So how how so I heard there was supposed to be a rumor that the GTX version, so that's the uh, all-wheel drive dual motor version of the ID7 would be uh, de- debuting at IAA earlier in the year. That was like the rumor, but I, I don't think we've seen it there. Did you hear anything about that? Nope, hadn't heard anything about it. Okay, did you find this one had enough like juice, a good enough enough, enough power? Because oh yeah, fine. It's not meant to be a sporty car, right? So yeah, gets out of it. So this APB 550 has 75% more torque than the outgoing motor. So it's like <laughs> a, quite a bit more, but it's not fast. Like if you get in it, it feels very similar to the current all wheel drive models. So if you get out of a, a new rear wheel drive ID4, it kind of feels like the old all wheel drive ID4. That's perfect. Um, yeah, it's That's perfect. fine. You don't need any more. These are not meant to be race cars. However, right. I did send you something on WhatsApp. I don't know if we're able to pull oh. it up here. But we are here in Switzerland, and I'm doing this podcast now. But actually, Alyssa went to attend the launch of a new world premiere from Volkswagen here, uh, which I don't know why they didn't tie it in with IAA, but they tied it in with the Volkswagen ID drivers meet. And I have no idea anything about it, but she just sent me these photos, and it's an ID7 with a giant ass wing, technical term, wide body, slammed, great looking center lock wheels, and uh, big brakes. So it's like, what the heck? What it, What is this? Yeah. So I'm, I was looking, I was trying to get the uh, show. I don't know anything about it. Viewers. She, there was a world premiere of this car. She went and I just got the photos and I basically said WTF and she hasn't responded. So <laughs> so, so she sent you, the, it looks like it. So it's not the ID7 Passat? No. I sent it's, you the rear photo of it. It's an ID7. Okay. okay. Oops. Yeah. Uh, uh, back up. Um, Don't call Max if he saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just click out of this screen if you can, Dominic, on StreamYard yeah. so they don't see everything. Right. Stop screen. It's called the IDX Performance. It's dual motor with 560 horsepower, apparently. Oh, uh, okay. Abe has got it all, all the info. So Alyssa's filming it right now. She's in the car uh, interviewing all the people about it. I wish I was there, but I'm down the street at our hotel missing it. 
to do this show. Oh, okay. So it's just not, so that's kind of what I was asking about just a moment ago, the GTX, but it's not the GTX or they're just calling it something else. The, ID. the IDX performance. performance. So, but it looks like it's, again, I'm seeing the photos with you. I don't know anything about it. Maybe if, if we go to Volkswagen newsroom, we can learn with you about it. That's nope. true, right? I Is don't it? see it online yeah. yet. So maybe we broke the news. I don't think there's an embargo. So sorry if we broke it. But I mean, they didn't tell us it's out in the open somewhere where we can take pictures. So yeah, you could easily see this from the public road. Right. <laughs> I don't think there is. I just don't know if there's any info. Right on. Okay. Well, that's something to look forward to. Then it'd be like, uh, yeah, it looks it looks pretty awesome in that photo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's talk about something else really quick. So while you were there, you also. We, and we talked about this car actually a lot last week, the uh, Tesla Model 3 refresh. Uh, you got to see that in person um, and make a, sit inside and make a video. So what were your impressions and did, did, did you learn anything new? Uh, yeah, sorry, I was just uh, reading something. So you're asking about the Model 3 refresh? Yes. This is the top story of the show. We didn't put it in the title. Ah, I mean, we, the- we talked about all like last, last show. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that shows you how good my memory is. So, um, I mean, you've been, you've been going a million miles an hour for like the last seven days, man. I can't, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, you're yeah hasn't, been, <laughs> hasn't been too bad. Um, yeah. So model three refresh, it's basically the same underpinnings of the current three, same battery, same motors is our understanding. There have been some rumors of everything. Actually, guess who's back? Alyssa's back with all the information. Can we go back to IDX performance? Is that what it's called? IDX what? IDX. And you brought pizza. Yeah. Can you can you come and tell everyone about it since you were just at the unveil? <laughs> no clue. Oh, yeah. here, come come explain. Uh, yeah, so hey, it, it looks looks cool. Hi. <laughs> um, it's a concept. Is it based on the ID seven? Uh, ID three. No, it's not based on the ID three. It's a four door sedan. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> we just saw the. You sent me the photos of it. It's an ID seven. Do we have the? Do they have a photo of the back? Uh, okay, yeah. maybe maybe we didn't get all the best best information. No, I have no clue what happened. <laughs> what do you mean? You were there. That's the back. Yeah, no, it's ID seven. Yeah, uh, it's IDX. IDX. Okay. And it has a bunch of Audi uh, GT. Audi e-tron GT stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And horsepower five hundred and fifty-eight. I am. The guy tells everything. I didn't quite remember. Okay, but you did an interview. I did an interview, yeah. Okay, but since you think it's an ID3, maybe it's not the best interview. No, I, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, because the guy just talked, and I didn't really say anything, so it was great. Okay, yeah. thanks for doing <laughs> That's that. That's it. Okay, but it's a, it won't enter production. No, not barely any of it. Oh, okay, so it's this, not even this, what we're talking about. I'm, I'm, well, I'm thinking this is... Basically, this is like a concept version of the GTX. I'm, I'm thinking of the eventual production consumer model, the GTX. You're, you're, um, don't know anything. We, you know as much as we do. So there right. we go. <laughs> right. Sorry I mean, for that. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, I would say that's probably what's going on there. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Model 3 refresh, big news, best car in the world, just got better, um, you know, I, there's no better car than this. When you factor, I know you make that point at the, at the end of the at the you make that argument at the end of this video, right? Yeah, this for the money, for the value, the Tesla Model Three is kind of like the thing where if you can if your sedan fits in your life. Yeah, sure. Like if the shape, like everyone's going to need something, but if you just need a car, 
Right. And you, you get so much car for the money here and you get unbelievably nice interior and ventilated seats and all these great things. And now new blind spot monitoring, which sounds great. Uh, there's, there's nothing that comes close. I'm not a huge, like, look, I own two Teslas. I'm, I'm generally enthused with what Tesla does. I wouldn't consider myself a Tesla fanboy, and I right. certainly don't get involved with anything Elon or Tesla stock related. You cannot beat this car right now. It's incredible. It's amazingly efficient. It's amazingly well-priced. It has the best charging network. It looks awesome, subjective, my opinion. The mm-hmm. body structure was put together really well. Again, they probably dialed in the car for the auto show, for all I know. Of course, they're at a German auto show. You should see the number of people running around with rulers and benchmarking things. And they're going from booth to booth, measuring every car. It's hilarious. Uh, and so, you know, you, this is what you get in Germany, of course. All the other car companies are benchmarking each other. But um, this thing rocks. It's got um, a new steering wheel that felt great. It didn't look good in photos, felt great. Still needs stocks. Big miss on the stocks. That is a major oversight. It needs turn signals. It needs park reverse neutral drive. When the car launches in the U.S., let's hope they get it. Um, yeah, some people say they're not so sure it's the best car ever. Right. You can say you have your best car ever. I mean, I am lucky where I'm able to drive pretty much everything. I'm in and out of everything. I listen to our viewers every day. And, um, you know, it's great. Yeah, there's some issues. The blinkers in a roundabout. Yeah, every car has some problems. But yeah. that's a much smaller problem, finding the little blinker here, which, again, I'm going to think there's an aftermarket solution. We've already had companies comment on our video to put the stocks on there. Totally agree. That's a major oversight. Mm-hmm. Um it's much better that you can charge it, drive it, have the best app than it is being stuck on the side of the road because your charging station didn't work over exaggeration in a more expensive car that doesn't perform as well. Again, I hate people who say things like this because I know how I sound, but it is amazing. <laughs> sure. And I have, I'm guilty too of owning a Tesla Model 3 at the moment. So, but you know, and it's not like the best car in the world necessarily, but for the, for the money, it's like an incredible value, I think. I don't know. And well, it's you just have getting... to factor value. Yeah, best car in the world, Rimac, Nevera, something crazy, right? Right, right. But but when you factor in, okay, this thing is thirty nine grand in the U.S., thirty eight grand in the U.S. when it goes on sale, it's right. only a thousand dollars more in Europe than it was on the previous generation. So we're going to expect to see a small bump in price when it comes to the U.S. But it's got an unbelievably comfortable back seat with a screen in the back. You can you know, pull up YouTube if you want. It's got double pane, noise isolation everywhere in the car now. I have not driven it, but other reviewers have and said it's much quieter than the outgoing model. And um, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, sound installation was sound and noise was one of the big things that were worked on on this version of the car. So Tom, what do you think of this? Well, you've been quiet over there. I need to hear from you. Well, I'm not over in Germany at IA. I, I was uh, with Kyle. I, I, I've gone there many years. I just, uh, this year I had too much going on, but um, living vicariously through Kyle's videos. Uh, the the I like the improvements I made. Again, we talked about this last week. The big miss to me is still the stalks. That, that's a big miss for me. That's yeah, yeah. That would give me pause, cause put me pause to even getting the vehicle, even though I think it's such an improve. Uh, I love the way it looks better. I like the front end. You know, some people... I've, I've seen in the comments that they like the rear changes. They don't like the front. I do like the front. I look, think it looks chiseled. I think it looks more um, masculine up front, like more aggressive. Uh, I'm, I, I like what they've done inside and outside. I pretty much like everything except the fact that 
um, there's uh, they eliminated the stalks. I really don't like that. Uh, the times that I've driven the Model S without the stalks, I really bothered me. And I know I would get used to it, but I don't want to get used to it. I I don't dislike using stalks, so uh, that's a big mess. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I have the no stock thing on my Model S, and it drives me nuts. Uh, it's just not a nice action to have to look for something on a wheel and, and it moves. So like when you're like turning, they're now reversed ones on the top ones on the bottom. Uh, I think everyone can pretty much agree the no stocks thing, bad idea. We really need physical stocks. Thankfully already seeing aftermarket options, but Tesla just needs to offer it included with the car and, and move on from this. This is a bad direction. And just a minor detail about those, like the back seat. So you're watching you in the back seat of the Model 3 right now. And on the back of the front seats is a little storage pocket thing. Those are terrible. I'd rather just not have them there. Just have more leg room. You know, they seem, I don't know what you would put in there, magazines? Uh, <laughs> you know? No, my I keep my laptop in there a lot in cars. Yeah. And okay. so it would fit in here easily. So right. it's just like small things will go out the side, but you can put folders, files, you know, normal things you would put in a seat back pocket will still fit here. Okay. Kyle, are the just, seats all ventilated? I see they're they're perforated. Just the front two. Okay. Yeah, they're all perforated, but only the front ones get the ventilation. Yeah. All right. Well, that's well, that was cool. That was a, that was a popular video. That was uh, you did really well with that one. Um, so let's bring up another model three competitor. Um, so we don't have a, a lot, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this because concepts necessarily, but there is a lot of interesting info to go with the Mercedes-Benz concept CLA. Um, let's see if I'm sharing this yet. I am not. Um, so it's about Tesla Model 3 sized with the Mercedes star shape for headlights and taillights. And it's all around the car. Actually, it's like, it's like a star machine. Let me just make that like that. And we're looking at in this background, this is a little clip from Mercedes showing it off. Um, yeah, so I, I mostly like the shape and that's the part, I guess, that's going to make it into production because uh, it's super streamlined and uh, Mercedes mentions that it benefits from the Vision EQXX concept car, which I believe you saw. And we're seeing a, little, a few shots of the interior. The interior is like all concept, like it's not even worth looking at because it, you know, it's just whatever, clear plastics and future stuff that's never going to happen. But the outside, I think I think this is, the exterior is actually relatively closer to a production vehicle. Uh, so this car is going to be the first to sit on the MMA platform. Uh, I forget what's something modular architecture. Uh, so that has an 800-volt architecture, and it's said to be super efficient. So we don't know the battery size yet, but apparently it will have two advanced cell chemistries, including a silicon oxide-based anode, and imagine the cathode is the other thing that's going to be changed. Uh, and they're looking at a range, a WTLTP range of 466 miles. So we don't know what the battery size is, how they're going to achieve all those miles. That's probably closer to what, 380 or so on the EPA. It's a bunch of miles, which is we a great could, range. We could figure it out though, because they gave a, a consumption rate, an insane consumption rate of 12 it's, kilowatt hour per 100 kilometers. That's over five miles per kilowatt hour. That's, that's nuts. That's 192 watt hours per mile. Yeah, that's and nuts. The other way. I mean, that's like what a Model 3 LFB does in, in normal driving. Yeah. Yeah, two, under 200. My dad's always getting you know right around 200 watt hour per mile, or even under in mixed and urban driving. It, it's okay. magically efficient. Yeah. 
Okay, so it's going to be. Uh, so I think it's going to be at least as efficient as that. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's edging it out here, but maybe it's not. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mercedes has proven that their stuff is magically efficient. Remember, we did that EQS SUV range test that just wouldn't stop going. EQS sedan, same thing. Um, EQE, also magically efficient. These cars are engineered so well. Why you need to put 5,000 Mercedes Benz logos all over your car, I don't <laughs> know. This is dumb. Bad direction, right. needs to go back old school. And I'm not a design guy. So just, you know, again, Kyle opinion. Uh, that's stupid. Okay. This, this whole car is not about the design. It's all about the, the debut of the new architecture, this 800-volt yes. architecture for the base car that will support fairly good charging performance as well as a two-speed transmission on the rear axle, which I can already tell you is I'm not loving the idea of that. I don't <sighs> like things that require multiple shifting in an EV. You know, right. Other automakers have proven you don't need it. Um, right. so, so why are you complicating it? Other I don't get than it. This? <laughs> yeah. So it's not about the design. It's not about the look. That's how they get the headlines. It's how they have something to present to the show. But really the details in the platform are amazing um, and very fascinating. So I did a whole podcast on the Out of Spec podcast channel about this car awesome. um, where we really nerded out. Didn't really talk about the design. It's all the new platform changes and the fact that the entry level car is now uh, 800 volt, which leaves the upper cars, uh, which are built on the, gosh, what is the name of the platform that the other cars are built on? Oh, I want to say CLA or CMA right off the top of my head, but no, I don't think that's, that's it. No. Um, gosh, I can't remember. But whatever the EQS is built on, EVA 2, excuse me, the EVA 2 platform is 400 volt. So those right. cars are going to need to get a refresh to stay ahead of their base little one. Yeah. It's kind of kind of nuts. So this is um, the first of four vehicles coming on this platform to this platform. Uh, we're told to expect a shooting brake. So that's a, probably a wagon version of this car. With you know the, this car won't have those Mercedes lights, which I kind of I kind of like actually. <laughs> I think it's a little cocky, uh, you know, it's a little little bold kind of thing. But it's uh, always the cheaper the Mercedes, the more logos they put on it. <laughs> Not a good you know direction. Right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, shooting brake and also two other SUVs. Um, yeah, let me turn that off. So also at, at the uh, at the show, they were talking about, I've heard a little bit of uh, new or people talking about the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, G-Wagon, the, but the EQG, the electric one. Um, have you heard anything about that? That's, it's coming soon, right? I think we're going to start seeing the media, uh, you know, cover this car here very, very soon. Everything I can tell is this car is pretty much ready to rock and roll. Okay. But uh, separate. So they teased. So this week they also they didn't show the EQ, EQG, but they teased a, a, a little G, they're saying, a smaller version of the G class that they're going to make in electric. So it'll be like the you know, traditional looking G class, but shrunk down. So, you know, it's going to, I think they're going to, they teased it as a little G. So I think the, uh, the old one is going to be heretofore known as the OG. And then, Okay, that was my joke. <laughs> uh, all right, so moving along and sticking with the uh, IAA, BMW presented its Vision Now Class concept car. And this is a, an evolution of a series of Vision concepts. I guess I should try to see if I can bring up a, a video of that to share with you all. They don't have a great, great video of it, but there's there's something here we can show you. And pull that up, and there you go. Turn that 
on. And so we're looking at the, it sounds like they call it now, now class. I don't speak German as I said earlier. Neue class. Neue. Okay. Neue class. So this is, so they've been putting out uh, BMW, uh, like a series of like vision of concepts with the word vision. And this is like, I think it might be the third one. I'm not sure. Um, So they say with the latest. Yeah, they had that weird-looking hatchback kind of thing. That was kind yeah. of awkward-looking. The i8 was the Vision Dynamics, back, you know, way back when. Right? That was a good car. Man, I like that. Um, so they say with this latest design concept, the BMW Vision Now class, the BMW Group is showcasing what the next generation of vehicles from its core BMW brand will look like. Supposedly, this foreshadows vehicles that we'll start to see in 2025, which is actually pretty soon. So I kind of wish they showed us something with more production intent. It's, uh, they do say, though, that they, it will have this will have 30% more range, 30% faster charging, and 25% uh, better efficiency. And we also know that they will, they're going to use cylindrical cells instead of the prismatics that BMW has typically used in its packs. So I'm not sure. you have any thoughts about this, uh, uh, Tom? You know, not really. I mean, they're not, it's not showing off that vehicle. It's, it's, you know, kind of like the Mercedes release was to talk about the new architecture. And that's right. really what this is more than uh, the vehicle. I mean, that vehicle is not going to get made. You know, it's just look at our new beginnings and here's some uh, design language that we're going to follow. And this is what the future looks like. You know, I think that's that's really uh, basically what Mercedes did with that CLA concept. So, um, you know, it's 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 good to see that they're, you know, uh, coming out with the next generation that's going to be longer range, faster charging, more efficient, all that stuff. We expect that. So, um, you know, I think we can move on. Concepts are concepts. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Maybe before we move on, though, I just mm-hmm. want to, it's still like this, the rumblings of the Neue class around some friends who are in the automotive Germany or automotive business here in Germany have been like, this is the big deal. Uh, okay. You know, like this is the make or break for BMW's potential future, uh, whether or not they can you know, survive or not, uh, because this is the underpinnings of all future models, all future major models from them. So it has to be class leading. It has to be a BMW and what the brand stands for, which means they really need to like make sure this thing works. And the importance is through the roof uh, and the engineering dollars are through the roof again like tom said don't who cares what the thing looks like the concept car throw that in the garbage doesn't matter it's the but the importance of the noia class is huge i think they really botched it from a marketing and communications standpoint Mm -hmm. in terms of conveying this message um Mm -hmm. really not great at all no one understands the car even talking about like random people at the show they're like oh that's kind of ugly whatever Um, but but like what this stands for for the company is huge and let's hope they got it right well they still have a little bit of time but i mean this is coming out in 2025 they have no time it's it has to be done because it goes into production very soon what's the next big show probably around january area the next big i don't think we'll see anything major then but i think you know internally it takes six seven eight years to develop a platform like this especially for a, a big well especially for a big, slow-moving German company like BMW. The Chinese can do it at Chinese speed. Tesla can do it at Tesla speed. BMW, people leave the office at 449. They want to be home by 501. You know what I mean? So uh, This is part of the – 
this part of the conversation at Volkswagen right now, they're talking about, you know, changing their, their, their development speed from like five years to three years, basically more to, to match the Chinese. Well, so like, well, like we were talking I, about I earlier. I, I don't see how they're able to do it. The more time, and I think Alyssa and I were actually talking about this, the more time we spend in Germany talking to people at these companies and really immersing ourselves in the automotive culture here, the mm-hmm. less confident we are about its future success. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be too, especially for some of the companies like Mercedes, I feel really has a good grasp on, uh, on the, on the electrification. Really? And Cause BMW, their electric cars look way worse than their combustion cars. They have to seriously incentivize the hell out of them to sell them and no one, they're not desirable. So what, what makes I, you think Mercedes got that figured out? I mean, I'm looking at their, their, their efficiency of the platforms that are coming. I don't know. I, I th- yeah, but efficiency isn't sexy. And, and and they're all in on it too. They're like all electric by 2030, right? So they, I don't know. It's like kind of make or break. I guess it's like that for all of them. It's true. It is make or break. I'm not sure they've cracked the code personally, okay. but we'll, we'll have to see. But right, also, just, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say th- this wasn't something that, you know, they started planning last year. No. BMW announced this 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 um, roadmap in 2015, I think it was, at the 2015 LA Auto Show. And I was there and they talked about um, using the flexible architecture for the next couple of years to make hybrids, electric vehicles, everything on the same platform. Then they were going to come out with uh, the i4 and the ix in in 2021 or 2020, I think at first, but then COVID might have pushed that back. But the plan all along was to, by 2025, that's the pivot point for the brand where they're going to start now introducing more electric vehicles than combustion vehicles. So this isn't, they didn't have to do this in the last three years. They've been working on this for at least a decade. Um, So, well, they will have been working on it for a decade by the time 2025 comes. So, uh, you know, let's see, it's, it's, uh, it is make or break for a lot of these brands. And, and we've talked about this before every company quietly knew that the whole industry is going to transition to electric vehicles, even though they don't always admit that because they want to talk about what they're, what they're selling today. They don't want to say, Oh yeah, you know, we're going to be all electric in in 10 years, buy our car. Now it'll be worthless in seven years, but buy it now. So, so they don't say that, but within every company, and I know this intimately because it's one of the things I focused on and used to always ask questions about years ago with all the auto shows and all the drives there is internal struggles, but part, parts of the company believed it was going to happen, you know, in the 2020s. Parts of the company didn't think it was going to happen until deep into the 2030s. So there was constantly this, this fight on when do we go all in? And BMW shifted at one point back 10, uh, no, not quite 10, yeah, about 10 years ago. Now, when they had the BMW I started and they were going with, you know, you were going to get an I5 and an I7 and everything, but way before we did but they the 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 two factions in the company that were say at odds the the combustion faction won and they said okay we're going to kick down we're going to kick electrification down the road for another full vehicle life cycle which is 5 to 7 years and that's what we're experiencing now otherwise they would have been all in around 2020ish that was their original roadmap yeah that's true i mean things have been kind of in turmoil like you're saying over at BMW and- up I'm not saying that that was a bad decision. I'm not saying sure. as big as an EV aficionado and lover as I am, I don't know if 
if BMW right now, 70% of their market portfolio was EVs, they wouldn't be selling as many vehicles as they are, you know, with combustion, you know, that you can't outpace acceptance. There's still sure. a tremendous portion of the population that aren't ready for electric vehicles that don't want electric vehicles. And that's They'll probably change. the majority right yes. now. Oh, definitely, Kyle. Not probably. 100%. Where that is, I don't know. But, you know, I would say for certain, less than 50% of the population wants an EV. Um, you know, uh, I, I think they're going to come around when they see the benefits of it and the performance and so forth. But it's going to take you know, the better part of this next decade for most people to to understand that, uh, in my opinion, for most uses, not all uses, for most uses, it's a better technology. Yeah. It's still, like you say, the, the acceptance curve is not going so well. And the press is like kind of nuts right now, man. Like this past week, it's like every, not it's not just like any French publications, it's like New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, then a lot of tech sites is like a lot of like not great articles about electric vehicles right now, like focusing on things that aren't that important or you know, noise. It's, it's going to get worse, man. That's what I it's think. Just, it's just frustrating from somebody who's like been kind of looking forward to this sort of thing happening. Mm, and I'm already a little dis, disappointed that, it, you know, I, I have, was I'm naive, naively optimistic sometimes, especially when I was younger. And, uh, and I kind of expected we'd be where we're at now, like, four years ago, but, you know, so now I'm learning it gets to be patient and just, you know, it's going to unfold at the pace it's going to unfold at, but just seeing all the stuff in the news recently, it's just kind of frustrating for me. Yeah, well, and, get and, used to it. I think, I think it's going to get a lot worse. I think it's going to be bitter. I think it's going to be polarizing. Um, I, I, I think it's, it, this is an enormous shift, you know, right. and, and it's going to cause a lot of people to lose jobs. There's going to be new, a lot of new jobs too, right. but, but overall there's going to be a net loss of jobs. And when that happens, there's a lot of forces, competing forces here, Dom, that are, that have a stake in this and, sure. and they're going to have their yeah. lobbying people out and everybody has connections and all the publications and um, agendas are going to get pushed. But um, right. once the dust settles, we are going to have transition to an electric uh, right. powertrain for our transportation sector. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's pretty much inevitable, I guess, you know, I can't even say the word, but it is, right? <laughs> at this point, at least. Because it wasn't that long ago. We were still up in the air, you know, 2015, 2014. It was like, ah, maybe? I don't know. But anyway, let's talk about an actual car. So uh, we already saw a camouflage version of this at Goodwood. And let me just pull this up on the screen for you. We can see what it actually looks like. Ford has fully revealed the Mustang Mach-E Rally in all its soft-roading glory. <laughs> so powertrain is like the uh, Mach-E GT, I guess, with 480 horsepower, 650 pound-feet of torque. It comes with specialty-tuned springs and Magna-Ride shocks. It's, uh, the suspension is raised up. 20 millimeters, not a whole lot. It's like 0.79 of an inch. Um, Brembo brakes, stop 19-inch wheels. Uh, it's got the, the tires have more sidewalls, so a little more give and a bit uh, better uh, grip for the loose surfaces. It's got protective shielding underneath the underneath the car to, for the front and rear motors. It's got protective film on the door cladding and the fender arches to reduce paint strips or yeah, paint chips. It's got two racing stripes. I mean, this got it all. Racing stripes, man. <laughs> How about that Focus RS spoiler? 
right on the back. It's kind of yeah. They mentioned that the uh, the spoiler on the back takes its uh, inspiration from the Focus RS, and it's got two fog lights in the in the front fascia area in the in the what the grill faux grill. I don't know. Do you like this car or Tom? So I mean, looks cool. Uh, is it all show and not much more go? I don't know. We we need to drive this thing. Does it have better, you know, thermals? Do, do, can it sustain driving more? Kyle shaking. No, I think they would have said that if it did. Um, you know, uh, so you know, I don't know. I, I, it's cool. I like different variations of cars. Uh, you know, is this a true? you know, rally sport vehicle that you're going to take, you know, on long off-road rallies? Probably not. But um, does it does it look cool? Is it going to be appealing to people? Um, does it have a certain use case? Yeah. You know, so I'm not, I'm certainly not against it. I think it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, should be interesting to see. But any, any word, Kyle, if they've, uh, where they're at with the thermal situation? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, there's some but- news. My thoughts on the car, I'm, I'm thrilled with it. I think it looks incredible. The wheels, the very OZ racing inspired wheels looks awesome. Uh, you know, the, the suspension height looks good. I really like the little spoiler, love the lights and the grill, like styling wise, epic. Um, no real changes to the drivetrain. I, I have this rally sport mode has got to be some new, uh, you know, tuning. So yeah. I don't know if that derates the power. So you have more thermal longevity like this unbridled extend mode is supposed to do which is lame um or if it's like you know let's go full send but none of that material looked like it was actually sliding anywhere and so uh, but yeah the color is great as Liv is saying our friends from maki vlog subscribe to them if you want all the latest maki news uh, yeah loving it even if it's not any spicier like the people who are going to buy this thing are going to be thrilled with it and it's going to be you know very popular in colorado looks the part it's probably going to drive just fine, but it's probably not going to be as spicy as as we are hoping. Right. I think it's I think it's an attractive package that should bring people to to the brand or to the car at least. You know, to the trim. I think it's just going to pull people in just on appearance. And yeah, I, well, I can let's see what the this. price is also done. That's, oh, that's you know true. we don't have the cost. Like if if it's you know more than a GT performance, like. You know, I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, I, you know, I, I guess it depends what your use case is going to be for it. Right. Uh, GT performance is pretty expensive. Right. And that's, it's probably going to be right up there. Like with that, actually, I would it's imagine got the same, it's got the same Magna powertrain, same suspension or, you know, same Magna ride component of the suspension at least. So yeah, Richard Flintas asked if it can wade through three feet of water. What's, um, I don't think three I, I feet think that's is gonna feasible happen. <laughs> for that, but I think Rivian can do three feet. But yeah, yeah so Maki Vlad said probably right around sixty-five grand for this one. Okay, right, and I guess they would probably know. So that's a lot. Is that that still makes it eligible for tax credit? Yep, tax but credit? also very very similar with the GT performance model. Right. So you go. Do you want you want street performance or you want dirt road performance? Right. I, I would do the rally. That's my suggestion. That's I cool. mean, if I live somewhere where there's like a lot of dirt, back dirt roads, I can see the rally one being kind of like fun to blast around with. Like if I still lived in New Brunswick, I could they have, have a lot of black back roads there and you can still find some dirt roads. And uh, yeah, 
that would be just like a blast. And that's why I'm glad they offer it because you could pick your poison. You know, what what do you want? You know, it's sure. I, I love having specialty vehicles like this, different, like one vehicle Mach-E that has four different versions. You know, I know that sometimes is hard for the manufacturers because it really elevates the cost of the vehicle doing these spicy or these different variants. But um, I love having that choice to to choose what you want. So in that regard, it's I'm I'm super happy they did it in any regard. But I just wish that they would. We Mustang. I mean, its fatal flaw is the thermals. It, they have to improve that. It's a Mustang. It's a you know it's it 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 has to be able to sustain high performance longer than what it currently does. We you know and Ford knows that they're working on it, but they've got to improve that. Right. Uh, all right. So let's move on to something else real quick. Hey, Tom, actually, you put out a video this week, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but I just wanted to mention it too, that uh, uh, you put out a video this week about how to charge the Cadillac Lyric, everything you need to know. So you've, do a, you've done a series of these videos of like everything you need to know about charging this or that vehicle, and they're great, especially for people who are new to electric vehicles. And I don't, so I don't know if you want to give us a little pitch on this, this one. Sure. So you hit the nail on the head for people that are new for electric vehicles. Um, many of our followers might find a lot of the content in this repetitive uh, and it's, it's very low level. You know, I, I explain what level one means, what level two means, what DC fast charging means. When I do these, everything you need to know about charging the X it's for the person that it's their first EV. And they right. really don't understand connectors. See, I have all the connectors laying out. I explain what each connector is. I explain adapters. I talked about how GM's transitioning to the North American charging standard and how, you know, if you get your, your, your Lyric now, you don't have to worry about that. There'll be adapters. You'll be able to charge on everything. So I, I do a, a, a very slow, thorough explanation of for people that are new, because in my, in my thought, process. I believe most people getting EVs now, it's their first EV. Yes, there's a lot of us out there to have multiple EVs, but the um, the 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 majority of everybody, it's their first. And yeah. this is intimidating. Look at that. Like, what, what the hell is that that I'm holding, you know, to somebody who's never owned an EV? Sure. And, um, you know, so I really try to explain how it works, how the, I'm right there, I'm talking about how the CCS connector has an integrated J1772 with DC fast charge pins on the bottom. I try to demystify electric vehicle charging. And yes, I go slow and sometimes I repeat myself, but you know, the, the best thing about it is, you know, and I get people remind me that in the comment, you know, Tom at 17, you said the same thing at four, <laughs> but then I, there's a whole slew of comments of people saying this was absolutely the best thing that ever happened to me because now I'm going to get an EV because I, you know, I needed somebody to go really slow to explain what 120 volts is compared to 240 volts and what out, what, what different outlets are and all that stuff. So um, that's what I do with this series. I talk slowly. I repeat myself and I give somebody a baseline of knowledge about how to charge you. You could almost take this video and use it for another EV, you know, but then what I do is after, after that baseline knowledge, I talk about specifics about like how to set the charge settings in a lyric and how to, you know, uh, delayed charging and how to use, you know, how, how, how the, the adapter for the NACs works, you know? So, um, you know, I, I, there's, a lot of our followers, as I said, might find this being boring, but there's I make I make this for the people that are new. They, these videos actually don't get a lot of traction. I, I might get ten or fifteen thousand views on them, which isn't great in YouTube terms. 
but I know I'm helping people with this. I could tell from the comments. So that's why I'll keep making them. Right on. Also, Tom, did you see GM issued a software update? What's up yeah. with that? I haven't, I, I only saw uh, Nebula tagged us in a tweet, but yeah. that's all I know. What's, what's the story? I, I don't know. I, I just know that it's, they're offered a software update to improve the charging uh, characteristics of the Lyric. And right as I'm about to publish my Lyric DC Fast Charge deep dive video, where I've I've charged the Lyric now like six times, and I've charged it at different charging stations, EVgo, EA, from 10 to 80, from 20 to 80, from zero to 100, like crazy. And I have all these charging graphs. I'm going to put it out with a disclaimer that says, this might be old information, but this is what I observed. So I already put too much work into it not to put this video out. And uh, I I hope for my sake, the charging curve hasn't improved that much, but I hope for all the Lyric owners' sakes that they made it a lot better because I can tell you, Kyle, I don't know what happened that time you charged. And I, I, I think that it was because you plugged in at a higher char- state of charge because every time I plug in, way down 0, 10, 20%, I get kind of a repeat of what happens on all the different charging stations, and it's not good. Basically, it it takes about 50 minutes to charge from 10 to 80%, and that's horrible. Right, and so, then when I started at 35%, I forget what it was, I, it was like, okay, just, just make it all like this. because I think nice it makes a big difference. I think the yeah. length of time is what kills you. Once you've been charging a certain amount of time, it just, it dies. Yeah, and it could be calculated uh, like Coulomb counting where they could uh, do some sort of, you've added this much energy in this much time period, therefore we'll just automatically derate. That's what Ford does by the way. So that's, that's how they do a lot of their derating profiles specifically for power output. Um, so we don't know what GM is doing here, but we do know it's not good and maybe they have fixed it, but we yeah. need to test it. So yeah, GM get these things in the review fleet so we can get them. So Tom doesn't have to spend $500 every time he borrows it from a Turo guy. I know. <laughs> well, well, my, my, my comp, my uh, contact now that was doing the, uh, that was lo- renting it to me has moved down oh. to, um, I think Maryland. So, oh. so I, I don't, I can't, I can't rent it here anymore, but that's okay because I, um, I did uh, as much charging video and recordings as, as I want to do with a lyric. I'm done with a lyric for a little while. Dom, I'm actually going to, if you can grab this picture just to put it up really quickly, I'll give the, the, fo- the followers a uh, advanced look at um, my four, Two on EVgo, two on Electrify America, from ten to twenty, from from zero to one hundred percent on both networks, and then from twenty to eighty on EA and ten to eighty on EVgo. This is the uh, the charging graphs. If you want to look at them and compare them really quickly, just to give people a little taste of what I experienced, and you can see it's it's kind of repeatable. It just depends on where at what state of charge you're plugged in, and that's what that 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 those are the four charging sessions that I did. Um, and, uh, really just depends on where you plug in. You get this nice little boost in the beginning, then it just drops down to nowhere, drops down to like, you know, uh, 20 kilowatts, even less, and then bounces back up for a short period, then settles back down to, I think it was around 89 or 90 kilowatt and then holds that to around 80% every time. 
So, and, and I charged it more times than I put on this graph because there were other times I charged it where I started at like 22% or 16% just to see if I was getting the same result. And I got the same result every time. Wow. That's so, uh, kind of disappointing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we, we all know the car, and, of course, could, uh, controls could you go the back to that? Oh, sorry. Go back to that really quick to support what Kyle's um, theory could be was if you notice when the, when I plugged in at the highest state of charge, that's when it held the, uh, the right. Um, you see the gray line. That's when it held the higher. Um, that was my 20% plug in. Oh. And it, you notice it held the high charge rate longest there. Yeah. Longer than all of the other ones, maybe. And Kyle plugged in at 30% even higher. So that's why, it, you know, he was able to, to to sustain that higher charging level even longer because it might be um, exactly what Kyle was saying they could be doing with the charging curve. See how that 20%, look how much, how long it holds a charge, high charge rate compared to both on EVgo and EA. Look when I plugged in at zero. Yeah, know, by, by the time I'm at 15% state of charge, it's already dropping down to nowhere. Why, how could, why is it like that? That makes no sense. Uh, a lot of times you might do this type of tuning out of precaution uh, right. if you don't have temperature sensors everywhere, especially in the cabling. And you just know if you add a certain amount of power or a certain amount of current over a certain period of time that your expected temperature will be X and therefore that's your maximum limitation. So it, like w when when I charge the car and and uh, or when I saw Tom's graphs the first time, I'm like, Sometimes we charge prototype electric vehicles. I'm like, I kind of see this like overprotective charging nature, um, right. you know, kicking in before it gets dialed in for the series production models. It just felt like very prototypey software. We thought the same thing when we charged the Hummer, and it just shows that GM really has to get their you know what together with with consistency of charging performance across all of the cars, and um, needs to be repeatable. Yeah, yeah I think you wanna, oh, go ahead. Want to know? you know, how your vehicle is going to charge. It's important. You know, you don't want to be wondering, you know, okay, well, if I, if I, if I plug it in at 10% higher state of charge, it's going to hold the charge rate longer and I can, you know, be a shorter, like you don't have to figure that stuff out. You want to kind of have a repeatable curve almost anytime you plug in. And I know I've said it before, but I get that with the lightning. You know, you get that initial boost for eight minutes or nine minutes, and then it falls into its regular charging curve, a straight line right across. I love having that knowledge of knowing I can do in my head really quickly how long I have to stay if I'm, if I'm you know, if I need to stop on, on the road. With this, how are you going to figure that out? And I wish I could overlay. I wish Kyle recorded his because I would have loved to have overlaid his 30 to 80 because I'm sure it would have shown an even longer um, uh, uh, initial high charge rate before it tapered down. Right. Yeah. I think, um, uh, uh, GM is their approach to, to EVs has been super conservative, especially after like the, uh, the battery fires and the bolt. I think that really just made them even more, you know, safety conscious, which is great, but it's also led to like this. And then also their vehicles are, are kind of heavy. I got to say, I don't know if it's like the battery packaging or a, a safer cell chemistry that's not cutting edge anymore, but they know it's safe. There's something about their batteries. It's they're a lot heavier than everybody else's. Makes it, and it's making their vehicles heavier, which makes it harder to you know have great you know, driving dynamics, right? Because you're carrying so much weight around. Anyway, it's like it's a circular, whatchamacallit. 
So real quick, Dom, let me answer Don, uh, Don's question. Sure. Do you think 80 amp will be the new standard for home charging? I think a lot of vehicles will have it available as an option, but I don't necessarily believe that most people will charge at 80 amps at home. I think the vehicles that have, say, a 100 kilowatt hour battery and bigger will offer that as an option, but that most people, I think, are not going to install 80 amp charging. I think they're going to stick at 48 amps personally. And and I think for m almost everyone, th that's fine. You, you're going to be recharged in the morning. Even if you drove your vehicle nearly down to zero, you know, you're, you're going to be fully charged unless you have a 220 kilowatt hour battery pack. You know, I mean, for the, for the, for GM's 200 kilowatt hour battery packs, it, I think, <laughs> I think you kind of need that, <laughs> but, but you know, that's 200 kilowatt battery packs is not going to be the norm guys moving forward. Um, uh, so I think most people are going to live just fine with 48 amps. If you want to, almost everyone needs a service upgrade for eight, for an 80 amp, uh, uh charge because you need a yeah. hundred amps just for your, your, um, for that circuit for price. I just bought a house. Uh, it, it has a hundred amp main. The whole house is hundred amps. So, you know, which I'm going to be doing a video on doing the service upgrade on that soon. But um, no, Don, I don't think 80 amps is going to be what everybody charges. I think it's going to be offered uh, but I don't think everybody's going to be um, charging on that. Right on. Uh, all right. So pretty much down to the end of it here. Uh, there's a few cars we didn't mention because uh, they're not coming to the U.S. necessarily, and they're smaller, and there's maybe it's not a full reveal like the Smart Number Three SUV made a, an official debut that we saw that earlier, but they've just put out oh, some. That'll specs. be on a YouTube channel near you soon, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, that's the a good nice uh, no, but just a smart hashtag one and three. We have stuff coming. And also on both the new mini electric models, the Countryman and the Hardtop. Sweet. We yeah, we talked about the minis last last week, but uh, be good to have like in-car and on hands-on. So you know. many things that never made it to the communication that we found. So there's a lot to explore with those. Sweet. And yeah, and I don't moderate the Inside EVs forum anymore, but I do still spend some time over there and there's a great mini community there and they will appreciate getting that info for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious about this uh, smart number three is 422 horsepower. 200, yeah, the range isn't great, 283 miles of WLTP range. Still kind of interesting just to see the direction of smart. I kind of like the original concept of it. So um, I'm, it'd be interesting to see how, what your opinion of its new direction, because you own a smart. Yeah, well, you'll, we cover all that in the video, but the one and the three are pretty much the same car. It's just, do you want a sloping roof or an SUV looking one? Gotcha. Um, what else? There's also the... Uh, the Renault Scenic E-Tech Electric, uh, that's, you know, a European uh, spec model. Um, so I didn't really dig into that one, so I don't have anything. There's also the Zeker 001FR. So I don't know if you've, we've talked about Zeker before in the past. It's a Chinese company. Um, it's, in, it's in Europe now. And this thing, it's, sure, it's just a picture of it. But this thing is going to be freaking spicy, man. Quad silicone carbide e-motors. 1265 horsepower you know your two second 2.07 seconds zero to 60 in a rolling start in their in their uh little cocky to the in their uh pr press release they're like in brackets after the, putting their numbers that sorry to other performance brands but i don't know we'll have to see if uh if can keep up with uh, the plaid or some other you know high performing vehicles but it's kind of neat to see this kind of thing coming from the chinese i think that's the first like super high high or was it? Well, Electra. 
It's true, but that's like a German or an English British brand, so. Yeah, but it's all Chinese stuff. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. Right. Cool. Right. Sounds great. Bring it on. This yeah. looks awesome. Four motor. That'll be interesting. Oh, I know what I wanted to show you also this week. And this is like unrelated to everything that we've been talking about so far. But coming up soon, the uh, the Tesla Cybertruck is going to be released. And they've already sent out invitations to uh to the no they haven't they haven't given us a date yet we don't know when it's going to be you could you could get use your your uh your tesla if you had bonus points saved up you could get invitations but that's gone away now it's sold out um but we don't know when it's going to be but this picture of the front of the uh, cyber truck came online the other day and it's on inside of east i guess and man i gotta say this this front is kind of underwhelming i don't know <laughs> What are, you, what are, you, are you laughing there, Tom? What are you think, thinking? Yeah, it is. It is kind of uh, pathetic, in my opinion, coming from uh, Mister uh, Mega Power Frunk over here that I use all the time. Uh, okay. Just yesterday, I had it loaded up. I, I mentioned earlier, I just bought a house that I'm I'm renovating. I'm doing a lot of the work myself, so the lightning is getting a workout. I mean, with lumber and insulation and everything. And yesterday, I had the Frunk packed so much it like wouldn't close it kept reopening because it was hitting and i was like pushing on it to close it i probably broke it but um i absolutely love the enormous power frunk of the of the of the lightning but you know what the lightning is a work truck the cyber truck's not a work truck you know i mean you can put gear and stuff up there i suppose it's it's not bad but um uh i tell you i love the 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 frunk on my lightning it was it was such a, a big deal over the rivian for me as far as lo- loading it up with stuff and everything because rivian you have to pick everything up over now the 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 cybertruck does have the low loading section but i mean it almost doesn't need it because what are you going to put in there you know uh, you know three bags of mulch you know i i think i i had like 14 bags of mulch in, in the uh in the uh the light the lightning's frunk so um you know, it's it's got other features that are really cool, but the frunk is not going to be what uh, everybody buys a, a Cybertruck for. Yeah, no, it looks like it's not going to be that. Um, they are. It has gone through some amount of uh, crash testing now. I think there's some pictures online of people spotted it on the back of a truck coming back from being doing this rollover testing, where it, and it, you know, I'm not sure if it rolled over or not, but uh, some airbags went off. Or, I don't know exactly what happens in that test, so it's hard to judge exactly how it fared, but I guess we'll, we'll find out soon enough, no doubt. Those are usually made public. Um, all right. So I guess that probably brings us to the end of our show. Yes? If you have any... I'm getting weird WhatsApp comments. Uh, if you have any <laughs> questions or comments, uh, you can leave them on below or get in touch with us on Twitter where we are Batteries Inc. Pod or on threads where we are at Batteries Included Podcast. Uh, you can also find Martin when he's here and when he's not here. He's off this week. Hopefully, he'll be joining us next week. Hopefully, next week will be his uh, first full week back. And we uh, he left a message with us last, last week. So if you're curious about what's up with him, you can check out last week's episode at the beginning. And Martin shares his story with us there. Um, so you can you can uh, follow him on Twitter or on th- or Threads at EV News Daily. On Twitter, Tom is at Tomalog with two M's and Tomalogni on Threads. I'm Dominic Yoni on Threads and in real life. Kyle is at it's Kyle Connor. 
on Twitter and goes by Virtual Kyle on the threads. Don't forget, you can if you like the show, even if you don't like the show, <laughs> please give us a thumbs up. We need your thumbs. Uh, click subscribe and tap that bell icon for notifications. Thank you very much for joining us this week, and we'll see you all again uh, next time soon. Uh, thanks, everyone. <laughs>